Welcome to the Chamber Voice of Business podcast presented by AT&T. I am Steve Cox with the Rogers Lowell Area Chamber of Commerce, and today is a very special edition of the Chamber Voice of Business podcast. Did things a little bit differently. Uh, we recorded an episode live on site at an after-hours pop-up event. So today is Hustlin' Heels presents Hustlin' with Lacey Bray. Lacey is an owner of Ozark Beer Company located in downtown Rogers and allowed the Rogers Lowell Area Chamber to put on a Hustlin' Heels pop-up event where we brought in, we had about 40 ladies in the crowd that came to hear Lacey being a female owner in a typical male-dominated field of craft brewery and got to talk about her experiences, the unique challenges that she has faced and some of the uh, the, the challenges that the company has overcome of, of her and her business partners and life partners as they uh, have grown this company to what it is today uh, here in downtown Rogers. So we recorded this live on site uh, at Ozark Beer Company. So you hear some ambient noise in the background of people downtown or downstairs having a good time uh, as, as uh, this interview goes on. Lacey Starts has, has a, a presentation, uh, and then she is interviewed by Lindsay Young, who is a committee member for Hustle and Heels. So we are great, grateful and appreciative of Ozark Beer Company for hosting us. So please enjoy this episode. Hustle and Heels presents Hustling with Lacey Bray on the Chamber Voice of Business podcast presented by AT&T. We'd like to thank Lacey and her team here at Ozark for hosting the event tonight. This is a great space. Lacey is going to give us a short presentation, and then I'm going to ask her some questions, um, both questions from you guys that you had submitted last month, some of you had submitted questions, and then from the committee. Um, yesterday, I got the chance to actually t- talk to Lacey a little bit about um, the craft beer industry and just her experience with Ozark. Um, it made me really excited to get to be a part of this. So um, we'll turn it over to Lacey, and she'll kind of give us a little history, and then we'll be up here um, chatting. Uh, First off, I want to say welcome, and thank you all very much for coming to the brewery tonight. We're very excited to have you. I wanted to give just a little presentation um, that kind of goes over kind of how we got started and just some basic information about myself and the brewery. Um, I started out, I met my partner in life, my husband Andy, who is also one of my partners in the business, um, back when we were doing raft guiding and um, doing skiing out in Colorado. And so this is kind of like, how did we get from here to the brewery? So we started out in... um, We started out in Denver, actually. Andy had gotten, we were there just uh, in the beginning to kind of figure out where we were going. We knew that we couldn't do the seasonal work for the rest of our lives, as fun as that is. Um, So we started off in Denver trying to figure it out. And Andy got a job working for Great Divide Brewery out there, working on the packaging line. And it was awful work. He was cold. He was wet. Their packaging line would like break down all the time and he'd work 12 to 14 hour days and he would come home and he would still be like, I really enjoy this. I think this is where I like want to further my career. So during this time, I um, had gotten accepted into Teach for America and we decided to go up to Chicago. Um, It was a good fit for myself, and it was also going to be a good fit for him to try to get in at a brewery. And he did, and he got in at Goose Island, and so that's where he got his start. After we did two years in Chicago, we were trying to decide what was next for us. Um, I wasn't sure if teaching was what I wanted to do, Um, and so we started, we took a year off. During that year, 
we each got to decide something that we wanted to do. Andy chose to go to Walla Walla, Washington during the wine crush, which is where they harvest all the wine grapes and then prepare them to go into the barrels and ferment. And so we had a really nice time there. And it was during this time that we started to travel around and we started to go to different breweries and tap rooms. And we decided that we really loved doing this. Like it was a really nice snapshot into the communities. You met people that were from the area and you got to try different things. And it was just, it was very nice. It was very relaxing. And you just got a snapshot of who and what people were in the area. So we started to look at all of the places that we had lived up until that point. And it was kind of a lot. And so at this point we were trying to just narrow it down where we wanted to be and start the brewery. The second part of the year, I got to choose where we wanted to go and I chose um, South America. So we traveled around and worked on an organic farm for a while in Ecuador and then made our way through Peru and Bolivia. And I have lots of pictures because I like to say this was like about the last time that we had any fun in our life. <laughs> so, um, it was when we were in Ecuador that we were researching the laws, and I'll never forget, Andy came up at a little computer internet cafe, and he just said, Arkansas. Like, Arkansas is where we need to be. And I'm from Arkansas, but the laws were favorable, and so we moved back to the area to start the brewery. We chose Arkansas because it had the most favorable um, liquor laws. It allowed for self-distribution, which meant that we could sell directly to bars and restaurants in the area. <clears throat> it allowed for Sunday sales, even though pretty much any other liquor store um, could not sell on Sunday, breweries could. The, the taxes are very favorable, believe it or not, and uh, the fact that we could have tap rooms and sell beer and beer to go out of the tap rooms is not something that you saw in every state as well. So. We moved back. At the time that we did in 2010, uh, Arkansas ranked 47th in breweries per capita. We only had three breweries in the whole state. So it was a, it was a good time to start a brewery. Uh, also, we saw at this time that Northwest Arkansas was beginning to be a very positive climate for businesses and investors in general. Um, you started to get a lot of people moving in for Walmart and the vendor community and just other things in general. And so, here we are. <clears throat> Our structure and philosophy at Ozark Beer Company. Um, we started with three founding members, um, myself for one, my husband, and we had a third member, Jeff, who started with us. And then we reached out and we got 15 private investors to help us start out. Uh, I feel like what I'm most proud about is kind of the culture that we're trying to grow here and that we pay everyone a living wage that works here. Um, we pay 100% of health insurance for our employees that are full-time. We have paid uh, time off for all of our employees. And for Andy and I, we really feel that we don't have to be the smartest people in the room. And what I mean by that is that we knew that if we were gonna grow this company, that we needed to bring on people that knew what they were doing, that were gonna challenge us and really push us to think about new and different things. If it was just gonna be us and we're never, you're never gonna push yourself to grow that much.
the challenges that I feel <clears throat> that we have in this industry itself is that we have a lot of antiquated views of beer and masculinity and people that play and market to that. And I feel like that's something that can definitely be pushed forward and in different directions. Um, for myself personally, balancing my professional and personal life, considering that the partner that I've chosen for each of those is the same. And so we actually spend less time apart than we do together. Or that made, no, opposite. We spend more time together than we actually do apart. So we are, I would say uh, five years into this, we were doing great. I felt like we had just like gotten to the cusp but we were doing awesome and then we just had another baby in November and so things are, we're, we're getting back up there. So, um, and then just being a woman in a male dominated workplace um, and a woman business owner. And I don't, and I know that beer in general is kind of male dominated but I feel like a lot of the things that I face here is pretty much just what everyone faces working in business as a woman. So that's kind of the short rundown of who we are and what we stand for. Well, thank you, Lacey. That was great information and a great prelude to some of the questions um, that we had. So tell us a little bit more about what it's like to be in a very male-dominated industry. I work a lot with architects, engineers, and contractors, which is very male-dominated. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really interesting because I feel within, like, the walls of Ozark Beer Company, it's not an issue at all, right? Like... The people I work with understand the frustrations that I have and they see them face to face. And so they're really, they're very understanding and that helps out a lot. But outside of here, I feel is where it gets challenging. Um, when we were first starting this up, I like kept a running list in my head of like things that people had said to me. And it started when we were like looking for investors. I'll never forget Andy and I were preparing to go in and some folks came up and the first thing he said was like, oh, I'm so sorry that we're taking your husband away from you. And I was like, well, literally, I'm coming to the table with you. So <laughs> we'll go from there. And, you know, and it's not just, it, it's just interesting, just people's view of business. I'll, I'll never forget our first night open, um, a family member of one of our other members came up to me and just said, oh, you must be so proud of Andy for like getting this started. And it's just like, oh man, like, it's just like a punch to the gut that people don't even like realize everything that you do. And so, I mean, I could just, you know, and I'm sure all of you have the same stories. You can just go on and on. And so I feel like some days I feel like pushing back on those and I'll send emails or, you know, just kind of point out things. And then some days it's just not, just, I just don't have it in me. I just let it kind of flow and we'll just pick it up on another day. So give us a specific example like what you said when somebody was like, oh, you're, you actually like run the business. Like you're not just like the wife or the mom or the, you know, playing the woman figure. So tell us a specific example because I know that would be helpful to a lot of us. What's really interesting is um, I'm also assumed to be like Whichever person that I'm with from the brewery, whether it's my husband or whether it's um, one of our sales 
our sales guys or our marketing director, I'm always assumed to be the wife. Like, it's never that I actually work here. I must be so-and-so's wife. Um, just last week, I had some salespeople come in, and they were asking for um, one of our investors. And, oh, well, you know, where is he? And it was just like, well, you know, he has another job. So he's not here right now. Well, he's the one that would make this decision, right? And a lot of times I just let them, I, I just let them go until they're ready to figure it out. And I was like, no, no, he wouldn't make that decision. And they were like, well, who would? And I was like, I would make that decision. And you just see their faces fall because they know that they've just like ruined it. Like, <laughs> you have no chance. And so that's kind of, that's usually the strategy I go with. I kind of let them dig their own hole. I love that. That's great. So um, tell us about how, how the challenge was in a community that has pretty split, splitting opinions regarding liquor laws. I mean, it was probably had just become a wet county shortly before you'd started. So tell us about that experience and kind of the community feedback that you got. Absolutely. We actually had planned on putting the brewery in Washington County because at the time when we, when we moved here, that was our only option. So shortly before this county went wet, when it was looking like everything was going to make its way into that position, um, we started looking at properties in this area. And so we were always very aware of the beer culture itself and how we were going to be setting the tone for that. And we thought very like hard and deliberately about like what we wanted the tap room to look like and what kind of events we wanted to have to kind of foster the beer culture that we wanted to see. <clears throat> and I think I grew up here. I'm from Rogers. I went to the high school right over here. And having moved away and been in like Denver and Chicago, you see drinking cultures that it's just how it is. Like families go out and they drink. And it was so different here because it had been dry for so long that we really wanted to promote the idea that it could be very family friendly. And as soon as you welcome the community in and you welcome in families, then a lot of the stigma of drinking is taken away because you realize that what you're creating is a social atmosphere and not a drinking atmosphere. And so for us, a lot of that was we have juice boxes at the bar where if um, a child comes in, they can go up and get a juice box. Um, we also have a play area where kids can play. Um, one of our most popular events that we do is we bring Santa Claus to the brewery and we have crafts for the kids and you can get your picture taken. And so it really is more about fostering that community sense so that people see that above the drinking aspect and that you can do it responsibly. If you have families, people are a lot more likely to like drink in moderation because they see that as well. So do you think more women should be participating in the industry and kind of tell us a little bit about that or what you're seeing maybe across the nation? Because obviously craft beer is taking a hold across the nation. Yeah, absolutely I do. Um, Craft beer is growing. Um, I think the latest stats that they put out last summer was that 31.5% of craft beer drinkers are women right now, 68.5% are men. But when you look at specific um, cities within that, like Portland, Oregon, 
52% of the craft beer drinkers are women, 48% are men. So there is a lot of room for, um, for us to grow in this industry. And I really feel that the only way that that's gonna happen is if more women get into it. And I was talking earlier kind of about the masculinity part is that so many people play on, you know, that beer is for guys or there's derogatory names or innuendo with names in beer. Um, there was a brewery that put out a beer that was called Stripper Sweat and they had glitter in it and there's all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And so I really feel that if there were more women in it, then we, a lot of those things would get squashed. And, you know, from our point of view, <clears throat> like, you need to make it as inclusive as possible. And if you want to make it inclusive, and if you are trying to do that, at least try not to offend as well. Like, that is my biggest thing. And so I would, I would love to see more women in this industry and using their voice to kind of stomp some of that out. So do you have women mentors around the nation or maybe just here in town? Tell us a little bit about that. Or do you have coaches or, you know, personal development that you focus on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we were first starting out, um, we had some friends from Chicago that had started a brewery in Chicago. Um, and they remain people that we can talk to about family. And I, I just saw um, the woman just a couple weeks ago at a professional development. And so it's just nice to talk about how you balance work and children and being in a male-dominated industry. Um, I think that that is always very helpful. Um, I think as far as like coaches or mentors for us, we are very lucky when we created this and went out and got investors for our business, we decided to do a board that kind of oversees what we're doing. We meet about quarterly, and it's a split board. So there's six people. It's made up of the three founding members of the brewery and then three of the, our investors. Um, and we did this on purpose, kind of against um, the advice of quite a lot of people because they always said you shouldn't have a split board. You should have a seven so that if there's ever a vote that it's automatically one way or the other. And we kind of thought, you know, if we're going in and we're trying to convince people and we can't get, you know, the majority of six people on our side, then maybe we need to go back and look at what we're doing and kind of talk that through a lot. And so a lot of those people that have sat on our board have been really great mentors. Um, they just... I feel that even five years in, we're still so into the day-to-day -day that it really is hard for us um, a lot of the times to step back and see the bigger picture. And so being able to meet with them and have them kind of see the, the big picture is really helpful to us, to kind of guide us and, and to help us kind of find our way in that. Okay, so you've talked several times about your investors and raising venture capital. So tell us a little bit about that process and what you had to do to go ask for money and kind of the process that, that you guys had to go through to make this all happen. For sure. Um, that was one of the most challenging parts of starting the business, definitely. Um, Andy and I did not have any money to start this brewery. Um, our 
parents did not have really any money to help us start this brewery. And so we always knew it was going to be writing a business plan and going out and approaching people. And yeah, so <laughs> we talked with a lot of people. It took us over a year to get all of the funding for this brewery. Um, at the time that we did, when we started this up, there was not very many breweries. And so there was a lot of hesitancy at looking at the business plan or even like proof of concept, knowing if it would work. So we started out with, with friends. Um, and then from there, after every meeting, you kind of would ask people like, okay, like, you know, most people would take it back to look at it and think it over and just say, you know, if you have anybody else who you think might be interested, like, let us know. And that's kind of how we branched out to lots of people that we did not know at that point. Um, there was a lot of people that said no or didn't call us back or um, made promises that they couldn't keep in the end. Uh, but there were also instances where people wanted to give us money and we declined as well. Um, and I think a lot of that is it's so hard when you're so close and you're trying to get money that you really do just kind of want to accept anything that comes your way. But it's so important that their views of what they think the business should be or how it should be run really align with what you're doing. Because if it doesn't, then that is going to create so many headaches on down the road. And it took us longer to raise the money than we originally thought, but we are so happy with everyone that that is involved now. Everyone kind of believes in what we're doing. They believe in the pace at what we're at, the pace at which we're moving, and it just is so much more harmonious that way. So tell us about you, you were just talking about how you said no to people, and I know as as a business owner myself that especially at the beginning it's hard to say no. So what was it that they maybe some of those investors shared that you were like, this is not this is not going to work, or this is not going to be a fit. Tell us a little bit about that. I think a lot of it is, um, <laughs> is let, I guess you would say, like, management styles, or um, I feel like we are a bit more soft-spoken, and I kind of mentioned this, like, we want to hear, we want to build up a good team. We don't think that we know everything at the top. We want to build a good team that is going to be able to support each other and kind of work in that direction, and I feel like a lot of, some of the people that we decided not to go with, their management style was that they definitely knew best, and there was no room for any other discussion. And so you can kind of look on down the line and just say, man, I think I'm going to be getting a phone call, like, every week. Like, you know, like, people micromanaging or doing something like that. And so that was mainly, yeah, just <laughs> completely different personality styles. So what tips do you have for other women who would like to start their own businesses? <laughs> um, I would definitely say that you, you have to want it. I mean, want it more than anything because you are going to lose money and you're going to lose time, like personal time for yourself, time for your family. And so you have to want it bad enough to like overcome those hurdles. Um, and I was talking with somebody here recently and we were talking about retail business and I think business in general. And, and she had said to me, like, 
It's a great way to make a lot of money, and it's a great way to lose a lot of money. And I, I just like thought like that just really hit it on the head. And if you're not okay with that, like if it's not a risk that you're worth taking and losing like everything, then it's probably not something that you should be doing. So what do you think the pros and cons of being a female entrepreneur in 2019 are? I definitely think the pros are just kind of the independence and the ability to create the culture that you want to create. Um, I also think that a lot of people are talking about women in the workplace, and I think that's opened up a lot of discussions about what we have seen in the past that we need to move forward on in the future. And so I think that that is a really, really positive thing for all of us. Um, we also have a great community that I think is ready to support each other and to be there to help each other, whether it's in business or personally. And I think that's also a positive as well. Um, I know that one of the hardest things for myself when I was starting this out and as we got more people and we're like managing more people is thinking about like what was my management style and what was like my voice within, um, within the brewery. And I, I struggled with that for a little while thinking like, do I, do I need to be more assertive? Do I need to have a louder voice when I go into this? And, and that was just, I never really thought that I would think about that that much or worry about it that much. Um, but I did, and I, think, I feel like I've come through on the other side of that and just realized, like, I don't have to change, like, who I am or how I talk to people or how I relate to people to be a, a better manager. I just need to, like, be myself, and I'm, if I'm, for myself, if I come from a place where I think that generally people want to do a good job, and if I'm just helping to support them in doing that, then it works out better for all of us. And so, yeah. I think that's where I land. You talked earlier and kind of just in your remarks about like personal development and getting better. So where do you get training or, you know, is there a podcast or there's books or, you know, what's that personal development piece for you that you, you know, you get your resources from? I feel like I've just been able to start doing this in the last year. I feel like I'm starting to not just tread water anymore. Like, <laughs> um, we, I listened to a podcast called How I Built This. Um, I really like that one because it just tells people's stories of, of how they started businesses and where they came from. And sometimes it's nice just to hear other people struggle and how they came out of it, like just hearing people that can relate. Um, I've also tried to start reading like more books and not really just business books, but other things as well. Um, a couple of really good ones I read in the last year was The Power of Habits. And, um, mm -hmm, and I think it's The Happiness Advantage, maybe. Mm -hmm, yep. And just at the beginning of this month, I was actually able to like leave and go do professional development, which like has not happened ever. <laughs> and I just... I re and it was like horrible timing. Um, I have like a three month old at home and like, it was just awful. But like once I got there, you just realize like how good it is to like completely step away from your work and to be able to like look at it and be learning these new things that you just didn't even know could help you in those ways. And so 
Andy and I had been talking about it at the end of last year, but one of the things that we're implementing for this year is that um, is that everyone picks like a professional development and, and goes to because it really does like just give you a breath of fresh air to come back and see things with with new eyes and to give you skills to try to improve your situation. So how have you built a following and how do you keep things new and fresh? That is so hard in like the social media sphere these days and how you, yeah, how you keep grabbing people's attention. Um, for us, like we really thought really hard about what was going to be the voice of our brewery, of Ozark Beer Company. And um, kind of the thing that really hits home for me is when we talk about Ozark Beer, um, we always kind of say like, in the Ozark Mountains, like hard work has made honest people. And so for us, hard work makes honest beer. And we always try to come back to that of just being like a very like humble and hardworking voice. And so whatever we do, we just try to be like authentic to that. And I feel like it speaks to the, it kind of permeates our whole culture. It speaks to the people that we have brought on to work for us. And as long as we are approaching it from that, direction and then we also I feel like a lot of what keeps us refreshed and keeps us like motivated to keep working here is like the things that we're able to do for the community um, the events that we're able to have this is the first year that we've been able to do some really large fundraisers um, for the community and outside of our community and I think for us that's what really helps us the most is like seeing the impact that we have with our own neighbors well, I know I've been to beer and yoga up here, and it has been fantastic. So if you have not participated, I'm going to do a plug. The Yoga Loft does beer and yoga the first Thursday, so it's like in two days up here. Um, and she actually, the instructor actually incorporates your beer into yoga. I mean, it's really cool. Anyway, so that's, that's been fun, and I've enjoyed doing that. So I think that's great that you guys do a lot of stuff in supporting the community and partnering with other businesses, and obviously partnering with us as Hustle and Heels. So what's next for you guys and Ozark? Um, here in a couple of weeks, we have our, like, kind of the biggest event that we have all year. And it's we release a bourbon barrel-aged stout. Um, and we have a party, and we have people that come in from out of town to get that. And so that's kind of what is on everyone's mind. We're always kind of tinkering with things. And a lot of things I can't say, which I hate. But... Um, <laughs> Um, we'll hopefully have some, we'll hopefully have something new in a can for the summer is what we're hoping for. And then, um, yeah, we've got, we've got some big plans for the end of the year as well. So. <laughs> well, Lacey, we really appreciate this time and I know we're going to do a brewery tour here shortly. And so Lacey can answer some of your questions throughout the tour. Um, and so thank you, Lacey, so much for doing this. This has been great.
Thank you for listening for to today's episode of the Chamber Voice of Business podcast presented by AT&T. We are, again, very grateful for Lacey Bray and Ozark Beer Company for allowing us to host our Hustle & Heels pop-up event there, as well as Lindsay Young, a Hustle & Heels committee member, for, for doing the interview uh, with Lacey and putting the time and effort into preparing those questions that she had for her. So, again, thank you for listening, and this has been the Chamber of Voice of Business podcast presented by AT&T.